I'm Chris Bradley. I'm joined by Finley McAndrew, and you're listening to a special bonus episode of the Run for It podcast. Finley, what are we what are we talking about today? We're going to have some inside tips for the Edinburgh Marathon from two two local Edinburgh boys on how to tackle the course, and really give you a little bit of extra help on how to navigate through the final week of your training in preparation for the big day. I think yeah, it's easy to it's easy to put in the work. Well, I mean, it's not easy to put in the work, is it? But yeah. it's easier to put in the work because it's very, you know, you know, you do you do your running, you do a bit of slow running, a bit of fast running, you polarize your training, you get better, you look to to peak at that point. But one to two weeks before the race, I think, is where a lot of people undo themselves a little bit. There's definitely a lot of uncertainty in how to approach that last bit of the training. I think there's a little bit of panic that sometimes comes into the the play in the training where people just almost start putting in too many miles thinking that they're going to gain fitness. You can't really do that. You've done the work now. You can't outrace your physiology. So what you've got now is what you've got. It's just about accepting that and then doing the right things in the lead up to the, the day to get the best out of yourself. I think it's the most important thing. It's definitely placing down a bit of structure like getting your bedtimes in sync with when you're going to race so you can get up and get fueled i mean what the edinburgh marathon let's see if you're doing the full marathon that starts at 10 a.m on sunday 29th of may so you know if you want to be be up at seven to have your porridge or whatever a couple of hours before get into that habit now so your body's in sync and you're going to have that rest to be fueled and perform on the day yeah going to trying to go to bed at a consistent time the week before the race is really helpful because your body will start to actually naturally fall into a bit of a, a faster sleep cycle as well because of that and it'll just help on the day means your body is actually just ready to go yeah no it's definitely a lesson i've learned the hard way you can't just uh light the candle at both ends and just put in one solid night's sleep the night before because no. <laughs> that's not how not how human beings are designed, unfortunately. No, and it's quite normal the night, obviously, before the race to be quite nervous. And you can bank a little bit of sleep that week before the race. So, I mean, if you don't prioritize the sleep before the race and then you have a poor night of sleep before the day, probably going to feel a bit tired in the morning. Whereas if you have some really good night's sleep the three to four, to day, four days before the actual big day, if you have a little bit of a restless night, so be it, the adrenaline will kick in and you'll feel really good and it'll have no impacts. Just prioritising that sleep the three to four nights before is really helpful. And you might also not be quite as tired as well because you're not doing those big miles. Oh yeah, good point. You've good got point. a bit of excitement and it's easy to kind of fill those evenings maybe with a little bit more TV or a little bit more looking at your phone and screen. So just maybe try and read something and have have some downtime before you actually go to bed and really just focus on those little details of that that routine to help help you get off to sleep a bit faster I've, i remember i think i remember once i was so like ex- not nervous just excited for a race once i remember just like i could not sleep at all and i remember just looking at looking at my watch and it was like 3 30 in the morning and it started at i think seven and i just thought I don't think this is going to go fantastically from this, but I'd gotten into such good habits during the week. I probably, you know, I was probably running off like some really good bank sleep. Yeah. I mean, if you have a really good night's sleep before a race, there's there's actually potentially 
something a bit wrong because <laughs> <laughs> you probably should be slightly nervous about what's coming up and your body's obviously getting ready yeah absolutely absolutely and then i think we should definitely talk about carbo loading and why that's pretty widely uh, misunderstood and misapplied to people's training finley do you want to talk about the dangers of pasta parties <laughs> yeah there's a lot of dangers of pasta parties no the main the main thing with pasta parties is this idea that you're just trying to eat as much food as possible to what what we call carb carbo load and i don't think people quite have all the information there is actually what you're trying to do the days before the race you're just trying to increase your carbohydrate stores in your body really simply put because that's going to give you lots of energy on the big day and eating more food is not the way to do that what we're trying to do in our diet is actually shift the proportion of what we eat to more carbohydrate and eat a little less protein and fat and also just knowing what are the right carbs to have i'm one of my good friends i remember we were (laughs) we're at I don't think I've told you this, Finley. This is quite funny. We were at, at a boxing show and we'd weighed in and stuff and we were like, you know, warming up or whatever. And I saw my friend, he was just eating croissants out of a bag. And I was like, <laughs> what What are you doing? And he was just like, oh, I'm carbo loading. And I was like, no, you're not. Like, no. you're just eating pastry. Am I right in thinking rice is better than pasta as well? Yeah, you're really looking to have as simple a carbohydrate as possible. And something that's going to just lift your carbohydrate stores in your body what we call your your glycogen stores and something like pasta or something quite stodgy like that can make you feel quite heavy it's quite can be quite difficult to absorb you also store quite a lot of water when you're when you're eating food like that so rice will just feel a lot lighter in your body you won't feel that sort of heaviness afterwards it releases energy a little bit slower as well so it's just a much better option than something that's you know much heavier like that traditional pasta and then that's the same with the classic pre-race meal that a lot of people opt for is pizza and yes pizza is very high in carbohydrate but it's also extremely high in fat and all that does is blocks that carbohydrate being absorbed and is quite likely to cause quite a lot of stomach distress so that's that's fit to avoid I think that's quite a common issue and maybe because it is quite a commonly utilized food source the night before, it's almost like accepted. People don't question it, but it's obviously a bad idea. Yeah. When you think about it, it's only when you said it to me like, oh, this is why you shouldn't eat that. I was thinking, oh, why have I been doing that? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's convenient. People are away at a race, you know, they're just trying, they're panicking. They're just trying to find somewhere to eat. They sit down, they go to an Italian, look on the menu, go, oh, pizza looks good look around at what everyone else is eating see lots of other runners eating pizzas people sitting in their marathon t-shirts and their their asics trainers that seems to be the, the common look and you know it's a bit of hard mentality there but i can think that's where it comes into like planning what you're going to have and then sticking to that and if you are going to eat a little bit more the time to do that is two nights before the race so actually with the race being the sunday you really want to have your bigger meal on the friday night because that can allow your your body to sort of process that starts building up and elevating your carbohydrate levels and then as you go into saturday it's a case of just trying to keep really simple carbohydrate meals throughout the course of the day yeah absolutely so 
what about morning morning off any any tips there on what people should be thinking about for breakfast i think that's another really commonly kind of poorly executed part of most most marathon days because that's part of your you know how you perform in the race you know it's all about preparation what you have for breakfast is part of your nutrition it's not separate yeah and a lot of people are nervous before the race and don't feel like eating but that's really important is that you you make sure you get some food in first and foremost and everyone is nervous doesn't matter how many times you've done it and it's the people that eat on the morning that will likely have a much better race because when you've slept through the night even though your carbohydrate stores in your body are like full of energy sleep's depleted the glucose basically in your blood so you've not got as much energy available and what we're trying to do for that breakfast is, is top that up so porridge is one of the best things to have because it's really slow release energy it's really easy on the stomach and it's not going to give you a big spike in energy as well that you then get a drop off what i would always add to the porridge is a little bit of honey or maybe a, a little bit of fruit because fructose is a type slightly different type of sugar and it uh, restores your your liver glycogen a little bit faster from being fasted over the course of the night so just simple porridge with honey avoid you know adding too much fat as well with things like nut butters or like nutella or even nuts and things like that because again nutella does make porridge bloody oh, good though doesn't it it's amazing oh, i mean the truth save that for yeah. the day save that for the day after <laughs> the best thing to do is look at food and go my stomach has to digest that and if you can make it as simple as possible you're more likely to have you know a, a better a better day on that, on that point and, of view. and on that on that note should we talk about milk yeah because I, I don't know about I, I'm I'm not lactose intolerant by any medical measure to my knowledge, but I do notice when I have like a lot of coffees with regular milk in, or if I've if I've had milk during the day, that does not sit fantastically in my stomach when I start trying to exercise. Is that something you've experienced yourself? Is no, that- not really. I I seem to be okay. I can just kind of take anything there, but I know a lot of people like you who do struggle with with dairy. So even just making porridge with water or having it with oat milk or some sort of alternative milk, it can be a good idea. And it can feel a little bit lighter. It's not quite so heavy yeah. to, to take on. So I think that's a, a good call. And like I always have a coffee on the morning of a race when I have my porridge because if you normally have a coffee and you normally, and you get that bit of buzz of the caffeine from it it also just like kickstarts the system and gets gets get you to the right place in terms of the routine the morning routine if you know what i mean and i guess another option as well if even the porridge feels a bit heavy something like a like a like a a carbohydrate drinks mix something like morton 320 or morton morton 160 for something a bit lighter really strong options it's exactly really what they're yeah you know perfect for yeah that that's as a great shout because some people are just too nervous or don't really don't feel like eating something and having something like the Morton drink mix 320 is perfect because you're actually getting a similar amount of carbohydrate to what you're getting in the porridge but you can just sip on that it's also a great thing to sip the day before the race as well on the Saturday because it's pure carbohydrate and it just lifts your energy stores yeah definitely definitely and yeah just just easy to digest too so 
that's nutrition i guess as i guess we didn't really touch too heavily on on tapering we did say you know the hard work's done but what what we really mean by that is no workouts don't drop it off a cliff though you want to really gradually bring that mileage down you don't want to just stop running for two weeks and just you know start watching box sets or or whatever <laughs> sorry streaming through netflix showing my age a bit uh, <laughs> You know, you want to, you want to, a taper is exactly that. It, it thins out towards the end, you know, maybe drop it, drop your volume 20% that first week, maybe 10% the second week, broad strokes, you know, you still want to keep running. Otherwise, you know, your metabolism's gotten really efficient. You're going to have, ma- have a massive appetite. That appetite's not going anywhere. So you want to kind of manage that weight coming in too, right? Yeah. And you, you're in your final few days now ahead of it. All you're trying to do is basically just keep the system awake and you just don't want to let everything switch off and that's the purpose of the runs now so if you're going for a faster time you may want to include a run on the wednesday thursday that has a few strides say you know six or eight reps of 30 seconds at your your race pace just to keep the legs ticking over but just some easy runs just keeping the muscles loose because that's the thing with actually going out and doing those easy runs it stops your muscles from tightening up and stiffening up so really important to just do some easy jogs and you almost want to not feel like you're going out for a run so if you would normally do 45 minutes on a Wednesday night go out and do 15-20 minutes you'll feel like you're turning back towards the house before the runs even started and that's when you'll start to sort of psychologically feel quite good as well because you'll start to ready yourself and you'll feel more ready as well because you're almost like I've not really done a run and you want to do more and that kind of develops the appetite for race. I've personally never nailed a taper but what I read about is it's like you struggle to hit certain paces in training but then after the taper your body gets the freshness and it's suddenly like actually achieving this into this level of intensity and this getting this output from my body suddenly becomes oh actually this is very sustainable yeah well your your training's actually blunted by your well, your performance sorry is actually blunted by training so if you do a big block of you've done three to five weeks or even longer of really hard work you start to get to a point where your your body's almost too tired to produce a result and then as you start to incorporate more rest you gradually start to see those physiological markers improve and that's when the performance comes and that's when the magic happens in the big day. So it's all about getting that balance right. That's when the magic happens. Delightful. (laughs) I like that a lot. So yeah, I guess uh, have we got any other tips before we talk about sort of local knowledge and sort of I guess the Edinburgh specific course? No, I think just keep it simple the days before. And, And I think as well this, I mean, Take that time that you would normally have been putting in the training and just make sure you're organized because mm. getting your date slightly wrong, it's easily done. You know, don't get complacent. Just check what time you need to be there. Get there a little bit early. Don't, you know, don't get, don't have your day tanked by logistics. Totally. Plan, yeah. plan it out. And little things like on the morning, looking at the weather, having the right kit, kit with you. So if it's really cold, potentially using some form of plastic that you can dispose of but like a bin bag that goes around your goes around your body to keep the wind off you keep your core temperature high don't forget about to just have something about 30 40 minutes before the start as well quite a good time to take a gel because it just keeps the 
keeps the glucose levels elevated and stops that dip. You don't want to have that gel just before the start of the marathon as well, because you can go a little, get a little bit of a hypo from that. You can get a bit of a rise of blood sugar. And then when you start exercising, they work together. So ideally, if you're going to have that gel before the start, have that about 30, 40 minutes before the start of the run. Absolutely. Hard, hard work without preparation doesn't, doesn't amount to much, does it? No. <laughs> so I guess now let's talk about the that that Edinburgh specific course. Builders being one of the fastest fastest marathon courses in Europe, is it not? Yeah. Well, you're all downhill at the start, so really fast start, and you're not it coming does, back up that it, hill. You've all, I because I I ran that that was my first marathon in in 2018, and it is downhill, and it is you know you're with the excitement and that downhill start for quite a while. I think it's very easy to overcook. It's a, it's a difficult one though because you've got that downhill you kind of want to make the most of it eh? well i think if you're let's say if you're working by km pace kilometer pace on that sort of course at the start you could maybe drop your target kilometer pace by a few seconds and i mean four to five seconds per k on that downhill section but don't let it slip any faster than that because that downhill section is causing quite a bit of impact on your legs as well causing quite a lot of damage which can can come back and bite you later on in the run so it's the same rule for any marathon your adrenaline is going to be high at the start you've got all these runners around you and you'll look down and go i'm running about half an hour faster than i thought i was going to be running and this feels really easy well that won't feel like that for long so i would use that downhill to actually save some energy that you're going to need for later on in the run and try and you can't bank time in a marathon everyone thinks this at some point they go oh if i just run a little bit faster here then i can slow down later on and i'll still hit my time it doesn't work like that you can't do that well you can try you can try it'll go wrong <laughs> yeah definitely absolutely 100 percent. because you go out along the coast once you get out of town you get on the coast you turn around, what's the name of the house? You turn around at Gosford House. I think that's turn around at Gosford. 17, 18. And I think there's there's a few points where you will see, where, where if you're going out, you will see the runners ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And then obviously when you're coming back, you'll see the runners behind you. And I remember when I ran it, some of the people that I was, that the little group that I was in, we're talking about being a bit demoralized when you see, you know, the guys that are running like 220, 230, yeah. just you know flying past the other way but i remember thinking like that's amazing like that what a what an opportunity to see people running that fast and like it's pretty cool that you're on the same the same route as them as well like uh so no i got i got a bit of a boost from seeing that i thought that was i I think you gotta just look at the positives that's the the mind game of a marathon you know while it is a fast course it's faster at the start and it it does progressively get get harder as it the deeper you get into it. So you've got to you've got to take you've got to look at that as a win when you see like those like really really fast fast guys coming around. Totally, and also think that actually you're going to have some people hopefully in front of you from when you turn around into what's mostly likely going to be a headwind as well, because yeah. normally the wind will be coming from the southwest in Edinburgh. So when you turn at Gosford House and you finish that sort of last 12k back along to the finish line, you're normally going to have a headwind on those final stages. So again, making taking advantage of the tailwind and the downhill at the start will give you the energy 
to take on that win because it's not just a physical thing there's a mental thing as well there where if you've you've overcooked it you turn into that wind and it's it's a tough battle if you're not in it i much prefer grinding out the headwind part first and yeah. then just getting you know sailing home with uh <laughs> your sails full of the wind whatever you know i know i know but if you can save that energy and just be preparing psychologically for that you never know it might be the other way around yes yeah, check check might, the forecast yeah, check the forecast because if it's an east wind you're gonna have a tailwind on the way home and it could be that so that's a that's a good thing to focus on from what i remember as well from the from when i ran under marathon there's a lot of people just jump you know set up like like music and stuff coming out of their houses like mm-hmm. it's i don't know it's it's pretty it's a pretty it's a really good atmosphere like you get a really good boost all the way around there's a lot of support so yeah, lots of support you know, too. Yeah. wave and smile you know have a, have a, you there you chose to be there have a have a lovely day there's a there's a big part psychologically about just smiling in an event as well we talk about that mental aspect there just smiling about something does make a difference it will help you there's there's some evidence no i'm going to go into that that like <laughs> smiling about something does promote you know a better uh, better attitude towards how you're feeling because a positive thought will only have a positive effect and a negative thought will only have a negative effect so if you think about it in that way psychologists i used to work with always said be a eucalyptus tree move in the wind don't be an oak tree don't break <laughs> ah yeah okay i like that analogy that's i was wondering where you were going with that but i i i must say i'm not overly familiar with eucalyptus trees so it is a bit of a, a bit of a niche analogy <laughs> they move in the wind they don't break so there you go that there's going to be ups and downs it's the cliche term in a marathon you're going to have patches where you feel invincible and that you're going to fly around and then you're going to have points where you just think i cannot do this and i think just remembering that everyone will share those emotions no matter how fast they're going how many hours are out therefore everyone will, will go through those points and it's how you deal with those little low bits that will get you through everyone's a mess at the end yeah yeah i mean i I remember oh my hips were so what what did you feel like after your first marathon were you absolutely yeah put in a wheelchair yeah wow yeah it was i was i was i was in a bad way what what why what from your hips or from really bad cramp oh right and I, i just couldn't couldn't move and that's happened actually quite a lot in races quite a lot of quite a lot of Ironmans have ended up in the medical tent or when you look at what an Ironman is though is that it's almost a surprise that people aren't stretched off <laughs> yeah yeah but I think you see a lot of people like that they get across the line and you've been going really hard for all this time and then you just stop and your body central goes... governor kicks in yeah. yeah so I mean and what I think they should have at the mar- end of marathon is exercise bikes so every you could just get on that and spin your legs down so my advice is keep moving when you get across the stop finish line don't just stop because things can just seize up i saw a guy proposing at the end of a uh, an ironman a couple of weeks ago and uh, when he got down on one knee his hamstring went into he basically got full-on sniper hamstring just locked up went down <laughs> the ground it was flat. the, the commentator came down and put the microphone in front of him and he pro- still managed to propose to his uh his fiance so so kudos to that but well that, that was the last bit of his race wasn't it really like yeah. he, the mission wasn't finished <laughs> yeah yeah and if you are going to propose 
cross the finish line. Don't don't point at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think that I think that ties us up pretty, doesn't it? Yeah, just uh Oh, and hey, if you're in Edinburgh, nip into nip into run for it. We've got stores on Lothian Road at Maybury. Get any last minute bits of kit, last minute nutrition. We're retailing there as well, so you know, come and say hi. Yeah. Come and find us and tell us how tell us how you got on afterwards as well. In fact, you're you're gonna be there on Saturday. I'll be there on Saturday. What an opportunity. You get to meet Finley in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, look. Re- good luck to everyone running the marathon. It should be. It'll be. It. Well, it'll definitely be. Uh, be a great day. So make. Yeah, make the most of it, guys. Yeah, it's uh, an amazing experience doing a marathon. Whether it's your first one or your twentieth one or your hundredth one, which it might should be for two of our previous guests. Well, that, yes, that'll be their. That'll be their hundredth, and then do they need to add four on now? I think they're going to go to one hundred and six. So one hundred and six. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll give you an update if you uh, listen to the Match My Workout pod as well on how they get on. But quite a nice quite a nice thing to know that you're going to be lining up on the start line with two people who have got ninety nine marathons in their legs. So yeah, like I mean that they've they have not had the luxury of a taper. No, so no. you know, <laughs> yeah, cool, right? All all the best, everyone. Cheers, Finn. Yeah, cheers, Chris. Good luck, everyone.